0: Well, hello, everybody. It is The Curious Creative with Nicolette, and it's Friday. It's another day to be able to serve creatives in the way that I really love to serve them, and that's with assisting their mind, assisting their energy, and most importantly, assisting the way they manage their emotions. Welcome to today's uh, show so this is the local radio show that supports the creative in learning who they are so that they can successfully focus on what they do and today's show brings to light the challenges of being a creative sensitive due to a deep intuitive connection diminished self-worth due to criticism for not conforming or attachment to the craft and overthinking due to a forever creating mind. All of this and more can result in negative mental health and a distorted self perspective. But there are answers. There are answers that give us opportunities to turn things around. And I've got one such answer in the studio with me today. And I would like you to, to meet Amy Coots. Amy is an actor who believed she wasn't good enough. She played small and developed protective mechanisms that shielded her in social situations but all of this changed when she was introduced to rapid transformational therapy it shifted who she was so much that she's now a trained therapist and has a practice in Brighton called acting with courage hypnotherapy and Amy's really keen to assist fellow performers in getting out of their own way and overcoming barriers that hold them back. Amy, hello. Hello, Nicolette.
1: Wow, that was quite an introduction.
0: Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here today. Thank you very much for being here and for sharing who you are with my audience.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I have to say, being on radio is definitely one of my bucket list items. So thank you for helping me tick that off oh,
0: today. <laughs> oh, wow. My, my job is done. Okay, and thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> well, Bye. <that's> <laughs> so, um, now... RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy, has had a massive influence on who you've become, hasn't it? For sure. Okay, For sure. so can you tell me and my listeners about who you were and why that, Amy, had to go?
1: Right. Oh, do, we ha- do we have enough time? I hey, have hour, wow. <laughs> um, Okay, uh, well, uh, I think probably the, the biggest issues that I had... Prior to uh, training in Marissa Pierce's uh, rapid transformational therapy, was horrible anxiety and audition nerves.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I I would arrive at auditions and just fall well not fall in a heap but I would I would just be so overwhelmed and anxious uh, that it would just it just wouldn't allow me to perform in the way that I knew that I was capable of doing. Mm. And that plagued me for for a few years. And I think probably the belief that I developed was, I, I just can't audition. I just suck at auditions, I'm no good at them. I'll just wait till someone gives me a part or someone I know, you know, something comes up. And of course, you you just can't do that yeah. because you just, the phone never rings and you just sit around not, Doing what you want to be doing and then you end up being miserable as a result so I, I think that was probably one of the biggest issues mm. but I think perfectionism and pushing myself too hard and a lot of negative self-talk was was where Ooh. I was at
0: for a really long time yeah, yeah it's a big recipe isn't it huge yeah what <laughs> huge. kind of cake would that make
1: Ugh, I don't know <laughs> It prob- probably a, a, a very gooey messy one which was inedible I mm. would say
0: if you were to sum yourself up at that point who were you
1: um, oh, good question. Um, I was a person afraid of failure mm. and trying too hard to please. And I allowed my future and my career to be too much in the hands of other people
0: mm. who
1: essentially weren't really a good fit for me. Um, and it took me a, a long time to kind of realize that and to go, well, actually, this is just me in on the spot going around in a circle and it's not pushing me further forward. So I think that would probably be the best best
0: way to explain it. Yeah. The, the word that comes up is inertia, just that kind of... Inertia. Yeah, or buffering. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of for thing. For sure, for sure. Um, so somewhere along this road of who Amy was, y- you found RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy. I did, yes. I'd love to hear about how it found you or you found it. Do you know what?
1: I sit down and I think about how how it happened and how I was able to pinpoint. And it's actually really, really hard. I mean, I guess I guess I look at it as a, a piece in a puzzle, yeah. in a sense. And so, I mean, for a lot of years, I mean, I've always been a fairly fairly healthy person in that I exercise a lot, I eat healthy. Um, I've been meditating for a few years now, which was a game changer when I came upon that. But I just knew that there was still something missing. And I think the result of a, a relationship ending and, and having to move house and then doing a lot of soul-searching and and looking within myself, Uh, I I think that's when I came across it. I think I must have been watching something on YouTube and then Marissa's video must have popped up. And I thought, oh, who's this? What's this all
0: about? What was it that stood out to you, resonated?
1: Well, I think uh, anyone who knows, or who doesn't know Marissa's work, is that uh, she very much uh, has the mantra of I am enough. And that is at the core of all her work. And Mm -hmm. so... She did a talk, I remember, I think it was for a company called Mind Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was following a lot of their videos, and they have a lot of spiritual teachers and people in different areas in business, uh, in self development, and all that sort of stuff. And her video, I Am Enough, in which she was talking in front of an audience, I thought, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. The idea of marking your mirror or putting it somewhere where you see it every day and you just keep reading that message and then it, it, it goes in. Yeah. I think that was the thing that resonated. Um, Well,
0: it is just retraining the the mind then, isn't it? Absolutely. Wow. So tell us what rapid transformational therapy is then.
1: Okay. So rapid transformational therapy is, so Marissa Peer is a British therapist. She Mm -hmm. was, uh, she's been voted Britain's top therapist a few times. Mm. And so she originally trained with a hypnotherapist by the name of Gil Boyne, who ran the Hypnotism Institute. Um, in California, because she was living in California at the time, and anyone who's a Rocky fan uh, <laughs> might be very interested to know that Gill actually worked with Sylvester Stallone and helped him with, and used hypnosis to help him with the drive to get his story mm-hmm. out there, his his boxer story, which ultimately became Rocky. Um, so she trained with him and then worked as a hypnotherapist for many years, and then from a lot of her clients started to to kind of gather all the language that they were using in her sessions and just started noticing patterns. Mm -hmm. Things like not being enough or feeling like something is not available to you um, or the the message of needing connection and avoiding rejection uh, and how that goes back to very traditional sort of tribal ways of living um, and how it's it's so important now. And so, so she developed her method basically inspired by by people like Gill, and I think uh, some of Ericksonian technique mm. of induction. And basically, uh, it's you put someone into a trance. That's the first stage of hypnotherapy, uh, which means you're basically just getting them into the right brainwave, which is going through the alpha brainwave. And then ultimately, you want to be in theta would be ideal for that. And you put them in a trance so their brain pattern is slower and they're more relaxed and in a meditative state, essentially. So that makes them highly suggestible mm. to, to reprogramming. And an element that she also puts into her work, which not I believe not all hypnotherapy does this, is the element of regression, which takes you back to memories and understanding the root cause of the issue. Because her philosophy very much is that you can't heal what you don't understand. And so you need to heal that through dialoguing techniques and and reviewing the situation and looking at the interpretation of meaning you've attached to that. Mm. And then looking at how that matches with the issue you might be having. So a classic one could be someone who wants weight loss. Mm. So it's more trying to resolve how the issue of being overweight or being unhealthy or whatever it might be, where did that come about? Because mm-hmm. it's probably for a lot of people not just that they ate too much cake. There's there's a driving thought or belief of probably not being enough um, or you know, some kind of childhood trauma, which often I find with clients that I work with Mm -hmm. can be the case. And then basically the idea is to reframe, reframe that situation in the way that you view it so it doesn't have that power over you anymore. And then uh, you have the transformation, which then is the opportunity for the hypnotherapist to then feed more positive, more useful thoughts that are gonna drive that person forward towards the result that they want or towards the change that they are looking for in their life.
0: Wow, so how did that impact you then?
1: Well, tremendously, um, because for me, I mean, when I when I went through RTT myself before I trained as a therapist, uh, I, it, it's interesting, you know, because I don't think that when people do sessions, they're not always completely unaware of why they are the way they are or why they have that situation. Sometimes they are and they've forgotten a memory. But, I mean, I knew... I knew of in my own childhood, I mean, I had a a wonderful childhood, lovely family, grew up having a pretty charmed life, but I I had been the subject of bullying. Mm. And I think that bullying, that pivotal moment, you know, as a child of, of 10 years old was sort of what put me on a particular course of then noticing, you know, or telling myself a message when that same same situation would come up that uh, I'm weird, I'm different, I don't fit in the group. And that was what was the theme that was running through my life, even through my adolescence and my teens and mm. early 20s. And so that memory, as well as other memories that quite surprised me, being connected to the feeling of, you know, not wanting to put myself out there or being small, um,
0: was the thing that I needed to resolve. Okay. So that's a sense of hiding. Yeah, yeah, and For sure. And you're an actor.
1: Right, makes no sense, right? It's paradoxical. I want you to see me, but I don't want you to see me. Makes no sense. But And Marissa also talks about that too, is you can't hold two conflicting thoughts at the same time. And one is going to win out if you let one particular thought win out. So that was the thing for me, was I knew that I wanted to act, I wanted to perform, but when an audition would come up, it would fill me with a sense of dread and a sense of panic when it should have filled me with excitement and opportunity to show what I could do and why I was right for that role. But it was doing the complete opposite. Yeah.
0: Complete opposite. So where are you now with the auditioning process and any anxiety you might feel about that? type of thing. Where sure. Are you?
1: Well, it's it's great that you asked that because I actually had an audition on Monday, aye, aye, aye. which was yeah, I mean, I haven't I hadn't had one for a little while. And I thought this is gonna be the interesting test. Yeah, I mean, I would had I'd had a couple in the last sort of year to two years. Um, and I did a show recently. So doing the actual performing is not the issue. And I thought, Oh, okay, this is interesting. And I think, given the message of my business, being bold, being courageous, getting out there, it really makes you walk your talk. So I thought, well, I have to go, I have to go, I have to do it. And um, fine, actually. Um, I was excited. Uh, And now I feel more excited whenever a self-tape opportunity comes up or an audition comes up. And
0: it's not to say that I don't feel nerves. That was my question, actually. Yeah. Was are you getting rid of them, or are they there and you're managing them more effectively?
1: Yeah, it kind of depends on the situation. Kind of depends. I mean, recently, as I said, I I did a show for Brighton Fringe, and it was funny because I was. um, It was a two hander with another actress, and uh, she knows a bit about the work that I do. And we were both waiting behind the curtain before it opened for the show. And she's like. She looked at me and said, what's going on? She goes, I'm feeling a bit like this. And we had both said that we're not gonna call it nerves, we're gonna call it electricity. Nice. We're gonna say, oh, my electricity is turned on, I'm charged, I'm Mm -hmm. wired. Or it's the way you reframe it, the way you change what it means to you. Or you say the car engine's on Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to drive. Mm -hmm. So we're like, the electricity's on, the electricity's on. (laughs) So that's how we viewed it so that we were were pumped to do it rather Mm -hmm. than like letting it shut us down. The audition situation, I think when I got there, I was quite calm. I was quite calm, whereas usually, I used to uh, sit in a waiting room. It's the waiting and then the anticipation, yeah. which was always my issue. And if, if I had to walk into the door, and they go, oh, you're going straight in, and without me thinking about it, I could just go in and be fine. But it's that waiting, and knowing there's other people in the room, and not letting it get into your head, and just, so the, the way I dialogue with myself now is very different. I go, I'm here, I've got a great opportunity, They've called me because they want to see me. They think I'm right for the role. I just have to bring me yeah. and all that I have to bring and know that it's enough. Yeah. And when I got in the room, I mean, there was a lot of things being thrown at me. And, and yeah, I did feel the slight flutter mm. of butterflies. And and that I don't think that will ever go away. Mm. And I think also, you know, having a little bit of nervous energy means that you care. Mm. If you just walk in and, and there's nothing there, I think... I, w- I wonder whether sometimes that that is a bit dangerous, but it doesn't cripple me. And I walked away, thinking, well, it's done. I leave it now, and I step back into my life. And if I get the job, wonderful. If I don't, they know me now. They might call me back in.
0: You know. So it's a complete uh, unattach. It's an unattachment. So to- you're not attached to the outcome. It's kind of I'm in this moment. Mm. This is how I'm going to show up. And yeah. if you like what you see hey hey if you don't yeah. life goes on
1: yeah exactly and and you know uh did I leave thinking I smashed it no I, I don't think I left thinking I smashed it I think I did one take and and they said like oh we want you to try it this way and then I did another take and great thank you and I was like well I can't read anything into that I think the second take you know was what it needed to be and I'll either be right or, or not
0: yeah of course yeah. And right as opposed to wrong you just mean you'll be suitable for the role
1: exactly and suitability is the key word there because I think and I'm sure this is where a lot of actors fall into this this trap of thinking it's always about talent mm. because it's not <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes it is or sometimes you just Sometimes you just do a bad job and you walk and you go, I did a bad job, so I'm not going to get the job. Sometimes you do a bad job and you still get the job. Sometimes you smash it and you don't get the job and you go, but I was so good. But maybe they were looking for a blonde yeah. or maybe you didn't fit. I mean, if it, I mean, that was for a commercial, um, but say if, it, if it's for a TV series, maybe you have to be part of a family and you don't physically look like you fit in that family you know, so it's so many other factors. And I think if you can just go that it's not always gonna be about your talent and it's gonna be about suitability. Cause you know, the thing is before they get you in is they've seen your photo, they've seen your CV and they've seen possibly a clip of what you've done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And so for you to actually then get the call to come in means you've you've already jumped some hurdles already to even getting in the room. Yeah, and you should really be celebrating that.
0: Absolutely. Let's go for a break. This is Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Nicolette on The Curious Creative on Riverside Radio. And it's great to be here. I'm here with the wonderful Amy. Hey, Amy. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it gets really hot in the studio, guys. We were having a bit of a, a wind break, <laughs> weren't we? It was really nice. A little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about you and your journey with Rapid Transformational Therapy and also you know, how it's really supported you. What I'm curious about now, Amy, is how RTT can really serve creatives particularly. Uh, in in a lot of ways. Okay. Uh,
1: so as I said before, I think anxiety for uh, audition prep, whether that's for drama school prep, whether that's for a big role, um, anything really, um, it, it could be even the uh, imposter syndrome, which oh okay, so is obviously not just isolated to creatives, but no. it comes up quite a lot when you're you're putting yourself out there trying to get a role. Have so, you
0: experienced imposter syndrome?
1: Yeah sure tell me about it well I mean not even just an act as an actor but I, so I've been teaching ESL so English as a second language to international students and you know it, it took me a long time before I actually felt like yeah I, I knew what I was talking about um, so it, it's it's creeped it's crept into different aspects of my life I would say um, And I even get little pangs every now and then, but I just I'm able to sort of squash that (laughs) Mm. because I've got better coping strategies now to do that. I just go, that's ridiculous, you know. Or if you go, oh, but who am I to go and give a talk to people? You know, I'm not Tony Robbins, I'm not Oprah Winfrey. But it's like you know what? At one point, they were they were unknown people who just had a vision and a goal and a dream, and they went for it. So if we can all think like that, we have something to offer. And that's the the thing, too, as I've learned, is if you you truly believe in what you have to offer and that you think you have value to add to someone, Mm. that's all you need. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's all you need. And it can be on such a small scale, too. It can be one person, uh, a student in your class, uh, a fellow actor, anyone. And I think once we realize that actually we're denying people we're denying a gift to other people if we if we keep holding back
0: our gifts, you know what I mean? Yeah. We, uh, we Marion right. Williamson said something similar to that, didn't she? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So creatives I often think that creatives are living a bit of a contradictory life, really, because on the one side, they need to be open enough emotionally to do their creative process, to be in it. Mm. But then at the same time, that kind of emotional portal, it makes them very vulnerable. Mm -hmm, And it can dampen their resilience to the rejections, to the criticisms, etc. And so I'm curious about what you think, is the weight of and the importance of resilience to the creative
1: it's it's huge (laughs) it's so important because the thing is and this is what i've come to learn in, in the past couple of years and i think the rtt stuff and the people who have popped up in my life along the way have driven me towards understanding the business side of a creative life and that business side does require I mean I'm still I'm still finding my way through it and still experimenting with a lot of things but I'm a lot further down the road than I was before Mm. but yeah it's that when you get in the room on the stage you want to pour out that vulnerability and have no fear to kind of push into those emotional places and, and put it out there but then when you're off the stage or when you're off the set or whatever, you then you then have to be going into business promotional um, mode in that you have to be doing the promotional stuff that requires, you know, strategy and planning. Mm. You have to be networking with people um, because it is a business unlike any other. And I think there are so many really good coaches out there now helping actors with the business side of things and I'm so glad and I wished I'd had someone with better business, sense yeah. when i was in my early 20s struggling thinking oh, i've got to i've got to check in with my agent and that's that's my only main source of where i can get jobs from but now i know that to be different and i want younger actors or anyone out there who's sort of flailing about in their creative field to get a bit of business sense a yeah. marketing sense from experts who know maybe not necessarily people who are performers mm. but whose job it is to do marketing and business and, and I've been consulting with some lovely lovely ladies here in the UK have helped me tremendously um, so you've got to have that fix you've, you've kind of got to be it's very paradoxical because you've got to be bulletproof <laughs> or have that vest on to take the nose yeah. and to to be prepared for the the fact that you may not get a call to say sorry you didn't get the role that that the silence is kind of often that's the response, um, and also the more you do put yourself out there, the more there is risk of criticism, and and how to deal with that as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's I think it's getting really tough too because we've got social media as wonderful as it is, but you've got your Twitter, you've got your Instagram, you've got your Facebook, and as as much of those as much as those are really positive things for the creative to have more control over their own brand and their own future you've got people on there who want to criticize you and pull yeah. you down yeah. in in a way that never was before I mean if, if I refer back to being a small child being bullied by 20 kids <laughs> wow I could now be bullied by 20,000 people you know what I mean and I think that's that's the kind of the difficult thing now is that you can come up against that people who won't like your work or you know have an issue with you putting yourself out there and will want to criticize you for it so yeah so the vulnerability happens in the work and the creativity but then you've got to have you know that that resilience and that tenacity to keep pushing through in the times when it's tough or it's quiet
0: yeah you know i'm i'm envisioning this sense of control and management when you're in the performing mode when you're either on stage or you're doing what you do creatively there's a sense of I can manage this environment Mm. so that's why I can be vulnerable yeah whereas when you step out of that and you come into what you're talking about which is okay I'm not doing that at the moment but I've got to create stuff to make that happen yeah and there are so many different forces around that that you can't control Mm. so do you think that it's about taking the skills that you've got that you're excelling in when you're in the performing mode mm-hmm. and actually seeing how you can implement them to the variety and the uncertainty of being out there in the world. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You know, I find that you know, that there's often the temptation that when you finish a project, you're in that weird zone of going, What's next? And people often ask you, What's next? And and when there's no next, that's when that's when the thinking starts. That's when the, oh, what if I never work again? I mean, I it used to be, there used to be a greater sense of desperation that I would have with that. Um, I still get, again, little moments of it now of going, oh, what's next? But then I go, oh, well, maybe it's a break. <laughs> maybe it's a break and I focus on other things yeah. until something else that I'm really interested pops up mm. that I want to pursue. Mm. And that's another thing too is that what I've seen a few times, uh, even just look at people's Twitter feeds, is, you know, people here, particularly in the UK, you know, putting up posts about I haven't had an audition in six months. I'm feeling really worthless. This is horrible, and it just it breaks my heart to read that. And sometimes I will chime in. I'll feel compelled to comment on that, and say, Well, what's something you really want to do? Because the thing is, too, is quite often we think that. Well, maybe I shouldn't assume. We I'll say I. <laughs> I used to I used to ask. I used to ask my agent what's my brand, where do I belong, where do I fit? And I would get very vague answers like, oh, you could do anything, you could, you could be anywhere. But that actually really isn't the truth. Mm. And I wished I'd had the greatest sense to decide. I mean, not that I didn't completely. I mean, I've always had a love of theatre and always knew I wanted that to be a big part of my life, professional theatre. But if, if the actor can, can find a way to go, this is who I am, this is what I want to aim for and have people collaborate with that. That That's such a better way to work rather than going, please give me a job. I'll do anything, I'll work anywhere. I'll I'll be anything you want me to be. (laughs) That's a really dangerous, dangerous situation to end up in.
0: It's as though you're living from a mode of lack. Yeah. You know, scarcity. Yeah. And the sense of desperation also is a blockage because nothing can come in when everything's quite compressed and anxious. Mm. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking that's what you experienced during those times. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but
1: I mean, you know, I was lucky that, I mean, that at times that I really thought, oh, what am I doing here? As many actors probably feel, or other creatives, you know, working whatever. If it's dance, if it's singing, if it's if it's trying to get a record label or whatever it might be. If you're a musician, you you start to wonder, oh, do I keep bothering with this? Sure. And sometimes it just takes the right person or the right mentor to kind of keep you on that track and I was lucky I had some really good mentors mm-hmm. on that track and I now have other mentors that I've come across in in different areas that have kept me um, on that track and knowing that if I just keep persevering with it uh, great things are going to come up and happen and the truth is too that if you actually I mean, I mean something a habit I've started doing now is actually getting hold of material that I love and saying okay I'm going to do this in three or four years time because I'm not old enough for this okay yeah and then already having that in my line of sight to go so I know that there's something I'm going to have coming up and whether I self-produce it or whatever it is Mm. gives me a sense of empowerment to know that actually I have enough skills now I I know who I am I know that this role is right for me Mm. so
0: why not cast myself in that that's the same similar thing to um, I'm just thinking of the end product similar thing that James Corden did with um, Gavin and Stacey, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, where he, he was presenting it, he was pre- he wanted to be in work, yeah, and he couldn't get the work, uh-huh. and then him and his co—I've um, forgotten the co-writer's name. Um, they were just like, well, let's just do something ourselves because I've, I've started this idea. Would you reckon? Do you want to ride it with me? And before you know it, look at Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. You've got a Christmas one coming out and everyone's like, ah!
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think Ricky Gervais is the same. Yes. And I admire him it. in yeah. that sense. And what I love about Ricky Gervais too is, I mean, he is very polarizing, but he knows it, but he knows very much who he is. And again, he, you know, things come to you in certain times and for him it was, you know, he was 36 when he first sort of got his breakout with The Office, and. And now he's been going, you know, ever yeah, since yeah. then. And, but yeah, it, it, does, it does come back to the creative going, well, okay, maybe I do have to take the side road. And, and that's the thing with our Brighton Fringe show, I was very lucky that that was a play that I bought four years ago. Really? Yeah, at the National Theatre. And I remember standing in there thinking, this role is perfect for me. Sometime I'm going to do this role. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know how it's going to come about, but it will.
0: Wow. And the opportunity
1: presented. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Definitely. (laughs) So, tell me about your practice, uh, acting with courage hypnotherapy. Sure. Yeah, tell me more about that.
1: Well, uh, so yes, I'm currently Brighton-based, but I also have truthfully most of my clients have not been in Brighton they have
0: been (laughs) have they even been in England (laughs) some
1: of them but some have gone as far as the United States Canada Australia hello if anyone's listening back home Mm. I know it's late there (laughs) get the (laughs) catch-up so uh, uh, Greek islands um, a few in the UK Uh, yeah so And that's the great thing about the time that we're living is because you can use a technology like Zoom, which if anyone doesn't know is video conferencing.
0: Yes. Um, There are other video conferencing modes out there as well. That's true. Sorry. (laughs) No, don't be sorry. Product
1: placement there. (laughs) I mean, that's the one that I have used. But if anyone wants to let me know about others, I'm I'm interested in all kinds. (laughs) Uh, So... Uh, or Skype, um, mm. or whatever it might be, but you know, basically we call it Skypenosis, which I think puts a few people off um, because they think, "Oh, well, how can you possibly hypnotise someone with them not being in the room?" Oh, okay. But it's surprisingly very effective, and actually, the the many times that I've um, not the many times, but the times I've had sessions and the real breakthroughs that I had was with someone I was working with, Fire video Oh, really? yeah one of my best sessions i think for me personally not as a therapist but for me personally was was with someone actually in uh, copenhagen Uh (laughs) funnily enough um so it can be just as effective because if you understand the trick that's involved with getting yourself into a trance and then you've just got someone all you really do is you just have someone guiding you there telling you and i believe uh i don't quote me on this, but I think Marissa, the, the very few clients that she still works with are mostly via uh, video. Okay. Yeah, so so what I love about it is it's so far-reaching. Yes. And I love the fact that I can help someone in the comfort of my home, in the comfort of their home, mm-hmm. or in person is, is wonderful as well. And I've worked with some... Uh, Exam preparation students, because as I said, I also teach uh, English language students from time to time, mm. and I had a re- I had a room of students, and I put them under hypnosis, and well, I mean, prior to that, we talked about changing their limiting beliefs around their exams, mm. so things like uh, "I can't do this exam" to "Yes, I can do this exam. I'm prepared. I'm ready," and then getting them to feed to me what it was that they needed fed back in and mm. what they needed to believe. Uh, at a, at a subconscious level. And so, yeah, so I've done group,
0: group sessions as well uh, with people. Too. Wow, sounds yeah, good. Yeah. Um, I'll get your details for everybody. Sure. And put them on the feeds that I post out. And I will invite you to let them know before we finish the show. Sure. Um, now, you've got a YouTube channel, which you started recently, called Why This? Yes, I do. Why that? Tell why us. Why that?
1: <laughs> well, why that uh, is because, um, yeah, I thought... Uh, well, actually, that uh, originally what it was supposed to be was a standalone interview with a playwright by the name of Morgan Lloyd Malcolm. Who I don't know if you know about Amelia. That was a show yes, that was yeah massively popular on the West End just is, recently. Is that
0: the Amelia from the film and soundtrack, or a different Amelia? A different one. So right. it's based
1: around uh, who they believe to be Shakespeare's muse, Amelia. Yes, and so um, so Morgan Lloyd Malcolm is a Southeast London. Uh, based playwright and she wrote the wasp which was the show we did in brighton fringe just recently um, which is her writing's phenomenal and it's great for strong female characters Mm -hmm. and amelia is just a delightful delightful show uh and so to promote our show i thought oh i'll try and get an interview with morgan and she agreed to it and i was like wow how exciting and then I thought, oh, I could go further with this. Mm-hmm. I could go further with this. And I thought, well, I've got lots of contacts around the world. I've got a friend in Los Angeles who's, who's doing very well over there as an actor. I've got friends back home. I've got contacts here. Why not make it a series? And it can be something that other performers can, you know, take away tips and strategies for, you know, keeping mentally fit and healthy and, um, And their advice for continuing on in such a volatile industry, but also a very rewarding industry too. And so these are also people who are thriving in the industry and, you know, have had to climb the mountain and have had setbacks and so so yeah I've, I've talked to actors uh i've talked to obviously playwright morgan acting teachers mm. uh there's a business coach in new york who's f- fabulous and she um helps actors with their business side of things Great. um looking to talk to a few more people here in the uk and abroad as well so it's it's so enjoyable for me and i learn so much from the people i talk to mm-hmm. which again sort of reinforces my
0: thinking about my own path as well. Yeah, so it's def- been
1: a lot of fun. No, definitely, I'm <laughs> hearing
0: that. And you talked about the mental health of the creative. And so I'm curious about what is your vision for the mental health of the creative and what would you want your contribution to be? Ultimately, I don't like
1: the theory of suffering for your art. I hate that. Mm-hmm. I really do. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's such an awful... Archaic notion, uh, and I don't want people to get to auditions and break down or induce a migraine. And <laughs> that might be talking from experience. Yeah. Um, I don't want them to feel that because they're not getting jobs, they're not good enough. Um, I don't. I. I should talk about what I want them to feel, not what I don't want them to feel, but I want them, if they do a session with me or even if they watch a video that I make, I want them to feel lifted
0: mm.
1: and leave, you know, or start their day feeling like, yeah, I, I can take this on, mm. I can take this on. Or if they've fallen down, I mean, to use an example of a friend of mine in Los Angeles who's a comedian. He's a wonderful comedian and graphic designer. But he struggles so much with depression and anxiety. And I worked with him on a session. And he's just someone who should be out there in the world. Yeah. He should be writing for SNL. Yeah. He should be doing comedy. He should be on TV. He's fabulous. And to see him not doing that yeah. because he feels so judged yeah. and he just feels, you know, like he doesn't want to offend someone or, or people have criticised him for his comedy, it breaks my heart. Mm. you know. So I want to see people like him and other people who really want to give it a go to feel like they can, to feel that sense of courage, to go, all right, you don't want me today but you might want me tomorrow or maybe someone else will want me or maybe I make my own show mm-hmm. or maybe I can head in a different direction but not give up on this. And it also reinforces it for me too. You know to keep to keep going with what I'm doing so
0: just that sense of of rising up I guess I don't know (laughs) yeah I mean the energy I'm getting here is, is a real sense of a term that I think was overused at one point but a real sense of empowerment Mm. you know giving people the power themselves it's not like you're not giving them but assisting them with feeling that power within well you're always there you're facilitating it it's always there exactly
1: and that and ultimately hypnosis i am yeah facilitating that is the perfect word because ultimately i'm just i'm creating a space for them in which they can resolve the thing that is blocking or holding them back and then see them emerge from that and moving Forward and ultimately, they are the ones that are actually doing the work. Yes, I'm just helping to guide them and to give them the space in order to do that.
0: Yeah. Do you have any success stories of people you've worked with and they've just told you what's happened since working with you?
1: Yeah. Well, um it decide- there's a couple actually. To and and also too, I've worked sort of early on in my training and early on in my practice. I've worked with people who are non non creatives. I think we're sure. all creative, but we people are. who are not in a creative field of work so I've worked with a few different people on a range of different things so my friend that I just mentioned who's the comedian um I've noticed him starting to put out his sketches for people to read and he's starting to put his comedy videos back out again and so he and he hasn't done that for a really long time so I see that as a big success and I have a friend back in Melbourne who which is where I'm from um (laughs) who uh has wanted to be a filmmaker for a few years now, and she's just getting out there. She's just getting out there, building her CV, getting on sets, assisting, camera operating, editing. She's Some of it's paid, some of it's not paid, but she's just so lifted from that. And I worked with her probably oh, a bit over a year ago. Yeah. And she's done a lot of stuff since then. So I guess they would be my current success stories. Yeah. I have another um, client that I worked with, not on a creative project, but she has avoided getting her license and we discovered it was because of a uh, death in the family a license for her uh, sorry for driving okay mm. so she loves cars she says she's a big petrol head but she just she's never gone and gotten the license she's never gone and done the test mm. and when i did a session with her she didn't realize that this significant death in her family was actually connected to that mm. and once it was um she wrote to me and said oh my god i i didn't realize how profound that session was and i didn't see the connection and now i do and and so stuff like that is what
0: what makes me excited to yeah, do this kind of work definitely it it it's those simple things that we are so unaware of that this power that we have to live in our experience hold on to our experience not let go of our experience mm. allow our experiences to affect our future and our, our present and our future and be so unaware of all of this It's as though we're separate from the body, even though every day we live in the body. Yeah, And and I think both of our our, our roles and our our missions in life are to bring people closer to an understanding that we are complete and whole and just fine as we are. Mm. And that if we can bring awareness to those experiences that might influence where we're at now, how we're thinking, then actually they could be massive breakthroughs. And we could start stepping into this space of possibility yeah, yeah curiosity absolutely fun yeah. playfulness <laughs> exploration yeah yeah there's so much out there isn't there there absolutely
1: is There, I don't think I could say it any better than that oh. but, but you're absolutely right and again like I said before I don't think people are completely unaware of of experiences in their past that may have an impact but it's that, it's that pushing away it's that avoiding it yes which for a lot of people is not really it's not really helping them and and in essence, we are carrying—we're still carrying around these these small kids inside of us. Oh, yes. That even that. though we're in these these adult bodies, we're still carrying around these hurts and these these things. That I mean, look. One on, on one hand, you could argue that they build resilience and they build, you know, tenacity. Yes. And I think people on the outside would sort of look at me and think I'm quite brave and I'm quite tough. And, and and most of that would have been true even a few years ago. Right. But that really was a mask a lot of the time because underneath it all, I wasn't doing so great. But now if they say, oh, wow, you're tough or you're brave or you're strong, I can go, well, yes, and I feel it inside too. Right, okay. <laughs> I don't just have the outer the outer face yes. and the outer shell I now believe it on the inside, too. True alignment. Yeah, I don't have to work so hard to prove to you that I'm holding it together. (laughs) I am together, and it's fine, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am together. Yeah. No, it's good. You are as one. How can people get hold of you, Amy?
1: Okay, well, there's a variety of ways (laughs) you can get hold of me. So if you're fond of the old social media, as Mm -hmm. most most of us are, um, you can visit my Facebook page. So um, you can find me at Acting with Courage Hypnotherapy or the... um, I always forget the
0: name of that, the tag. What's that? What's that? Isn't it the tag? The, at the, ha- the, uh, the handle.
1: The handle. Oh, that's the word. <laughs> that's the word. Oh, it's,
0: a, it's a very strange Friday. I'm forgetting English
1: language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my handle is at hypno with a C. Okay. So you can find me there. It's the same handle if you're a tweeter. You can find me there as well. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I, I like to keep it clear and simple. So the handles are all at hypno with AC. Okay. If you're more of an email website kind of person, you can find me at actingwithcourage.card. Uh, but that's card with two R. So it's card, <laughs> C-A-R-R. <laughs> dot, so it's pirate there. C-A-R-R-D.co is the website. And there's a form if you want to email me. Great. Or you can email me at at gmail.com And... You can also visit my YouTube uh, show, Why This? Um, You just it into YouTube or you can subscribe to Acting with Courage Hypnotherapy YouTube channel and you'll get all my my videos coming
0: up. <laughs> wow you've got lots going on Amy. I do
1: have lots going on I can't believe yeah. I got all that out. Yeah well done and <laughs> lots of
0: ways for people to connect with you which is so yeah. good because it's about the variety of ensuring that everybody has an opportunity to reach you. Yeah. And that's good because we're all so different. Yeah. We <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've come to the end of the show. Can you believe it? Oh, here we wow. are. I know. It's gone quick. It's gone very Goodbye. quickly. It really does. Um, I want to thank you Amy for being here and sharing what you do and how you serve people right now in your world and their world and uh, just for uh, adding value to the curious creative so that it is able to serve people
1: I want to thank you this has been a, a wonderful privilege
0: so thank you Nicolette it's my pleasure <laughs> and, and thank you dear creatives for listening uh, please do share the show with people you think that it will really serve that everybody really but if there's someone in particular that you're thinking of please do share it with them and you can get hold of me on instagram and on facebook handle is at embodied entrepreneur if you're a tweeter you can do at embodied entre